0: This is Richard Marks at the Garden Forum. We're gonna kind of get started right away because we're gonna have a nice little interview and we're already having fun here. And uh, (laughs) uh, we're talking about one of the most important ingredients, one of the most important ingredients of compost. And we're all uh, lifetime composters here. (laughs) And uh, so um, I'd like to introduce uh, that you've heard before is um, uh, Marnie Blair and um, she's a composter, and Fulcrum Farms is their their farm, and Lisa's here to, to uh, helping out and telling all the jokes in the background here.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: yeah. And um, Marnie's a longtime farmer, and uh, she's got a good friend here that is going to be part of our interview, and we're just gonna, in uh, Harold Hoven, and Harold Hoven is, uh, I'll tell you more about him in a little while, but let me tell you, he's been, uh, gardening for a long time in the biodynamic part of gardening, which we're going to be learning about. He also just got back from Asia, and I just hope we have enough time to talk about all these things that we want to talk about. And uh, so um, Khalita's not here, and she said that it's, it would be a little bit crowded here, and she's got a great show coming up in January, and it's uh, a subject that I just want to tell about the future a little bit, that the, uh, the future is going to be just as great uh idea of what is really organic. And uh friends from Full Belly Farm, Paul Mueller is probably gonna be a guest on that. And we haven't ironed it out exactly, but he'll be calling in from the Cape Valley. And uh that Kalita has kind of been working on that. And uh so um thanks for coming out. This is the darkest time of the year almost and it's the solstice. And uh you know most of the time I had a place to park uh, no problem. And, it, and tonight, it, after the big hoopla with uh, Cornish Christmas, uh, it's, no, it's Victorian Christmas. Right. Nevada City's Victorian Christmas. <laughs> I'll get it straight after 40 years. I, I'll figure that out. Um, but boy, the town was filled with people. And uh, it was an amazing event yesterday. Uh, I couldn't even walk here in, in, in on the streets. And I didn't expect that many people here. But Tonight is really mellow and it's really a solstice night where it's kind of dark outside. You have no problem with parking. You just walked right in and, and it's a different thing at KVMR on a, on a Monday. <laughs> so here's the deal. We're gonna um, talk about what's going on in all of our gardens. And, um, and, and if you've been to the garden today like I was, I'll start. Um, I'm waiting for these persimmons to get ripe out in my garden. And there are a seedling persimmon. It's another whole story about where these came from, but I used to ha- harvest persimmons in the Auburn area. And, um, and um, this is a seedling from, a, uh, from a, uh, a persimmon tree that I had, probably it's 15 years old. And it, it didn't start fruiting for like 10 years. It takes a long time for persimmons. And it's a seedling. So it looks like a fuyu, and it's a flat little uh, fruit but it still stays astringent. It's not like a fuyu. It's astringent, like a, you can never eat a hard haichia, which is a, the, the persimmon that most people make cookies out of. And uh, this um, persimmon, you have to really wait for frost and you can actually take them out and take them off the tree, which I don't like to do, but I will do it if I have to, put them in the f- freezer And it will ripen a persimmon. So the astringency leaves the fruit. And you can eat that. And so um, that's what I was doing just before I came here just to see how they're doing. And uh, um, I I have some for you out Mm. in the car, by the Mm. way. I didn't get a chance to bring it in. But uh, we'll be trading a few things. But I've got some apples and some things from the farm uh, for you guys. So um, that was one thing that I did. Marnie, what'd you do in the garden today, or in the last week?
1: Yes, well, that's so interesting that you're mentioning the persimmon. It made me um, remember that last week I harvested the last of this wonderful chrysanthemum that I'm growing in the mm. garden. That's a medicinal type of chrysanthemum that um, helps me with my eye condition. But it's wow. a fascinating. It's fascinating what you were saying because. It is so sweet and fragrant, and it only starts to blossom at this time of year. It's the last thing that is blooming, and it has sort of this quality to it where it's been gathering all the warmth and sweetness of summer to the very, very last days of fall sort of comes in, and I can pick it and dry it, and then I put it in a tea that I uh, like to use and drink a a couple times a day. So that's probably what I was doing most interestingly (laughs) in my garden. Um,
0: Have you grown that cultivar before?
1: This is my second year of growing it, um, and my local acupuncturist told me uh, what to grow, and I've, it's, I've really enjoyed it thoroughly.
0: It's a, is it a common medicinal in Chinese medicine?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. it is. I, I'm I feel bad because I don't remember the name of it, but it's um, you know, if you go to China, which maybe Harold has experienced that, uh, you can get chrysanthemum tea regularly, mm. uh, sitting in the parks and drinking it um in the summer you can drink it cuz it takes the heat out of your blood mm. and is sort of cooling wow um but harold please share with us what um is happening for you in the dirt
2: right right yes so i hardly have anything to harvest any longer still some more broccoli and uh, otherwise there's enough chickweed for salad <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and actually karate cabbage, which is a great variety. It's a different species than the other brassicas. And um, that's still more active, but what I'm doing a lot, what I've been doing a lot in the last two weeks is actually um, getting all the leaves Mm -hmm. and actually mowing them first Mm. and then putting them um, in water because they're too dry. And then I pile them up loosely and later on, we'll add to the compost pile as a build, also with kitchen scraps. Wow. Because that's the main thing that I have during the year is in the winter, the leaves, fall-winter leaves, and then in the summer, kitchen scraps and uh, grass clippings. So you, um, lose,
0: you use the materials that are available to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You, you bring the, the dying things into right. the garden to right. put them back in the cycle. Yes, yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's probably, um, you used to have a very large garden Mm -hmm. in most of your career. Um, Just want to uh, mention this. This is a good time to tell people that um, uh, I'd have to go way back to figure out when I first learned about biodynamic farming, but it was at UC Santa Cruz in 1973, (laughs) and I took a group of students to... um, A group of teachers took a bunch of students to um, Santa Cruz, Mm -hmm. and um, UC Santa Cruz had just started, Mm -hmm. and we took a tour of different places on, on the campus, and then we came to this garden that was on this beautiful hill. And I'd never seen anything like it. I mean I wasn't really that much of a gardener except in Walnut Creek. I grew squash with my father and tomatoes and the regular things, but early got early twenties I did not know that much about things. And this place totally blew my mind to see these beds that were so intensely planted. It was um, not rows like we're used to, or hills and lots of spatial in between the plants. This was um precisely like spinach just the right amount of spinach in you know, a like a 4 foot wide long bed and going and downhill going it was downhill it was <laughs> up and downhill <laughs> they, they, they yes. called that the Hill Garden. Yes. And did both of you go to that garden?
2: Oh, yes. yes. No, yes.
1: I'm too young mm-hmm. to have gone. And actually, it's wonderful hearing you describe it, Richard, because yeah. I had the same experience when I went to Harold's farm yeah. in Sacramento. It was an incredible inspiration for me to see the garden at the Rudolf Steiner College.
2: Yeah. yeah. And,
1: Harold, how, for how many years did you uh, manage that farm there?
2: For 30 years.
1: 30 years.
2: Years, right, until I got retired and a new uh, party uh, came on campus. Uh, Rudolf Steiner College uh, closed, had to yeah, close. Rudolf Steiner College
0: is closed, and there's many Waldorf schools around here, mm-hmm. so uh, people didn't know that. I mean, my, both my kids went to the Live Oak Waldorf, and I just heard recently <laughs> That, that the college was closed, and right. especially during the pandemic. We didn't get the news very often, but <laughs> yeah. did it just close not too long ago?
2: No, no, it actually, it, well, I think more or less closed in uh, 2017. Uh, I think that was maybe the last class that went through, and we basically didn't have enough uh, students coming any longer because there's so many small trainings and people yeah. couldn't um You afford. mean students
0: for the college part? Now, there's also a a, a, as school. a new entity there now. And that's yes. still. It,
2: that, that is still there. It's called Meristem, and it works with young people in the autism spectrum. I see. So, for them, of course, it's also important to have a garden around, and they use it in part for their um, training for the young but people. But not as intensely as planted No, as the not days different. that you were there. No, no, no. It yes. was just a, a different focus, and uh, I think it was more directly. Also economically it had to work because we didn't have a lot of extra income. There was a little bit that came from the college itself, but primarily it was funded by uh, people who bought the vegetables and for about 20 years, or maybe, yeah. You had a CSA CSA, there. Right, right, yes. yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so share with us like Hmm. what the garden that you had at the Rudolf Steiner College and sort of the principles that you were able to Basically, explore and show to all of us that got to visit the garden there. um, That came to this beautiful um, crescendo in a way at your farm.
2: Yes, so so I have to start. Uh, I did four-year training in Germany in uh, biodynamic horticulture, and got my degree there, and then came for my wife, my uh, wife-to-be. <laughs> Your beautiful wife, <laughs>
1: Cynthia.
2: Uh, here to, to the Sacramento area. And, and we actually began working with a medical center called Rafael Association. Yeah. And when I began, I actually grew herbs for making remedies. And uh, a couple of years later, then a pharmacist joined And so then we had in Ferox Village, we had this pharmacy and then the work expanded. And so I had a good amount of work actually with herbs, but then there was nobody growing biodynamic vegetables. And so I began already in the first garden in Carmichael was also growing vegetables. And that then increased. Then when we had to leave this place, uh, Rudolf Steiner College had just purchased 10 acres and was interested in having Hmm. something happening on there, but didn't have money either. <laughs> yeah. But there was Raffaello Association. You had a gardener, but no land. Uh. And the college had land, but no gardener. Mm-hmm. And so um, I got started there, and then pretty much right away also had apprentices, which I was always interested too in education. When I came to the United States, I said, ah, this, we need this here. So you you're, was tra- not much-
0: you're training future farmers?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a, a mixed bag with the training because you never know exactly how it's going to work. Will the people be suited for it? But, of course, gardening is the most healing thing that anybody can do. Yeah. Uh, it keeps our <laughs> sanity in, in when a I, way for when I, I think
0: I first met you at EcoFarm at mm-hmm. a table, um, the ecological farming conference that happens every January, and you had an apprentice with you mm-hmm. and he um I think it was uh, a military guy that seen uh in the war right and right. Uh, and uh i I knew exactly what was up of of the healing that could take place by having him uh working with his hands in nature again right, right. and so um I do remember that, and uh I didn't know you at that time, but then mm-hmm. we uh I met you up, met up with you at the seed swaps and mm-hmm. saving seeds. It's all mm-hmm. another chapter, but um, that was amazing. So uh, you brought him down there to that conference, and right. did you have him for a year?
2: Yes, uh, you, or uh, yeah, about a year. Right. Yeah. Normally, I would have apprentices either for a year or two years, and I begin with one who was the most difficult one, <laughs> and then uh, eventually came to four apprentices at a time. Yeah. And they came at different times, and they were very lucky that they could also take classes at Rudolf Steiner College. Yeah. So it was not, there was no, the, these classes that happened anyway, to, yeah. uh, together with people. So like, for instance, astronomy so that they would know, learn also how to use a calendar with Dennis Klotzak, who did a special program there. And so it was really very educational for the young people who worked with me. <clears throat>
0: they had a holistic view of many different disciplines than than just the garden.
2: Right, yeah. right. Yes, yes. There was a very interesting and international community yeah. So I got started there. Then first, the first thing I did is just to get my shit together, as <laughs> he would <laughs> tend to say. You can say that on the radio. <laughs> right? yeah, you can. Uh, you know, I started, and, and the land was not in very good shape, and it was just, a, well, a horse pasture or so before, and but it had never gotten any care. So the first thing I got is. I asked a riding stable if they could bring me their manure, which they did. Horse manure is not the very best, but nevertheless, they would just keep coming and coming. Take what you can get, right? (laughs) And I would build these long windrows, and get it ready so that when you know half a year later or 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 so, when when I could finally grow crops, there was something there to fertilize. Yeah. And what was interesting too is, where. where I would use the compost, actually it was good to use compost where I could do it, but also even without compost, it would grow. But in the second year, you would see then a decline. Mm -hmm. So then the the natural uh, fertility that was there in the beginning...
0: Subsided yes, yes, waned,
2: and so mm-hmm. you have to do something, and vegetables, particularly you have to give so much that crops will be happy they 're
0: they're, 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 they're intensive they 're oh, intensive yes. uh, feeders right and right. cultivars of of Europe uh, that we are involved in mm-hmm. uh, and all over the world, but right. they just really require oh a lot yes of oh
2: yes input well, we want to have something quickly on the table right we don 't want to wait too long and say all these crops say like zucchinis or so like in the shortest time you have a big crop so well (laughs) when we're a rural country Mm -hmm. we spent our whole
0: life on the farm at least one member of the family even though they have to leave there was always somebody to almost grow everything in our world uh Mm -hmm. that we needed uh not too long ago pre-world war ii there were so many people on the land and that's kind of uh that's why I'm doing the show, is mm-hmm. to keep that motion going about getting back to the land. And we happen yeah. to live in a very fertile area for farmers, too. Mm-hmm. And some of them are making livings at it, which 40 years ago, I never made a living at this nice. at all. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like they can—they've fine-tuned so many things. So um, so that's your beginning down there. And I just wanted to say of that the— um, Rothsteiner College, where you farmed, it's it's called Raphael Gardens. Was that mm-hmm. the name of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Raphael Gardens was on somewhat of a floodplain of the American River. It's higher oh, yeah. up. It's higher, higher up. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's close to the river. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful spot because mm-hmm. there's nothing between the school and the the college and the river.
2: Waldorf School is below us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Us. So, mm-hmm.
0: but it, but it's close to the river. Oh yes. And close. it's a beautiful place there. Mm-hmm. And. Um, uh, that's just—it's been a great run. So that's 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 amazing. That's a 30-year run, and now um, you've you've moved on, and uh, right. you're still, but we're still doing the teaching. We're still yeah, mentoring people, and this radio show hopefully is like a mentor for some of us to yeah. look into further things about the subjects that we're about to be talking about
2: today. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, actually, I feel very fortunate that i ended up being there because i am well i would say an artist as much as a farmer or gardener Mm -hmm. and so it was always important for me that it could be beautiful but also that it sustained itself that i could have apprentices that they learn about the real thing Mm -hmm. and that it was not just kind of a hobby place no it produced we, we grew about well, between 10 and, f- and 15 tons of produce every year. Yeah, wow. On, a little, on about an acre of land. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. So it was quite real, and yet it was beauty surrounding, too. There were beds with flowers, and there was this pond with flow forms where the water kind of meandered down. And, and everybody who came to visit Udo College, they would go out to the land. And we were always welcoming when people would come and start talking to you and, and say, hey, uh, you know, I have another hoe, or uh, you know, you need. A, <laughs> so we would always invite people, so it became a community place where people yeah. could hang out, but also just feel, ah, this is nurturing, mm-hmm. just being here. So did you
0: get enough help over the, over the years? Oh yes, yeah. oh yes.
2: So I well, I had the it Was part of the curriculum? Of the, of it, it was actually the students got a little bit when they landed, sort of when when the when the classes began in, in September. They had normally two weeks of gardening at least, which helped them to kind of settle down where they were and then they would come maybe when they had free time so they could come later and and, and give us a hand and and so it was also stimulating Mm -hmm. just have other people to do something else and then but that for them to be then grounded in being Mm -hmm. in the garden so I I, I couldn't have had anything better yeah besides some trouble with you know when you get young people if they're Still quite young, it can be. Well, you touched to. a
0: lot of people in that in your career, and there's mm-hmm. so many people out on some land somewhere, mm-hmm. growing small and probably large, uh, mm-hmm. because some of those apprentices were trying to make a living at it, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and, and so you were in that mm-hmm. training uh, of, of your method, which isn't very different than organic farming. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many new names to, to things, but this has a very specific uh, sequence of. Of, of 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 a, a system that, right, that, right. that biodynamic has, and mm-hmm. it's uh, um, there's even a biodynamic um, uh,
2: certification, right? right. That, yes, that you, you the auditor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, biodynamics is actually turning a hundred years in in twenty twenty four next year. Yeah, and so we have gotten you know there's a lot of experience by now when Rudolf Steiner gave the lectures in uh, in 1924, in uh, there was it was totally new. That was the beginning, really, of the organic agriculture movement. Yeah, and people kind of scratched their heads at the first. The farmer said, "I don't know," you know. And they, uh, and it took them a while. First of all, he gave them the very practical suggestions what to do. Yeah. One of the most important part in the beginning was mm-hmm. that you can create a place that feeds itself as as much as possible. Out of its own resources. That that means mm-hmm. that you don't buy in things, fertilizer, mm-hmm. that you don't buy in. You know, keep buying things. So like you have chickens, instead of buying, then new, you new mm-hmm. you 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 start uh, and you you build something that's really unique where you are. Yeah,
1: and, and what you're defining there is. Mm-hmm. What we call the farm organism, right, Harold? Mm. Yes, uh, yes. And, and it's sort of this concept of the self sustaining farm um, was a very new concept at the time, I would right. imagine.
2: That it used to be the norm, more or less, because. You couldn't buy fertilizer, you know, yeah. uh, in in the 20s. Well, you could buy then. That was the, the problem. <laughs> but before, 50 years before, you totally had to rely on what the land would give to you. Yeah. And you couldn't overdo it because it would stop producing. Yeah. But actually, Rudolf called it even something different than an organism. He called it an individuality. And that means it's something very specific, that only where you are and where you help to help it into coming into being that something can develop that is just special or perfect for this place. For instance, for me, that was seed saving. Yeah. That over time, then second generation, third generation, then on, the seeds were the, uh, the perfect ones. You couldn't buy them anywhere. Yes, And that was for me a reason to get mm. into this. I knew as a vegetable grower with limited land, only three acres, I could not uh, do what Marnia Lisa did. Uh-huh. Having enough livestock to to have the fertility to provide yeah. the fertility, I had to I had to focus on something different, and that was seed saving as as one Im- very important part for me. That's, and one, that's the other the time I met you
0: is at the seed <laughs> swap, and I still have the Raphael. Um, Crookneck Mm -hmm. that you had, and that is a very prolific cultivar.
2: That Mm -hmm. that was an amazing yellow squash. Mm -hmm. You still have seed. Mm It's called Raphael's Gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is available through Turtle Tree Seed. Um, Yes. So. uh, Um,
1: Yes, but this concept of farm individuality is actually. Really profound when you th- mm. you sort of dive a m- little more deeper into this philosophy mm. that um these cultivars and these seeds, for example, that Harold um, has tended to over the years, or the cows that Fulcrum Farm eventually, had on its land not only genetically sort of are these isolated mm. cultivars but they take on the sort of terroir of the actual farm the actual location from which they're from um
0: they don't take you up think the harold they take up everything around them and th- we become them and they become us
1: yes right
0: and and i do know about
2: this (laughs) yes yes
1: absolutely
2: so so the wine growers know about this and they use Mm -hmm. the term terroir for something that you get sort of you 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 taste what this land can give yeah. And the rest of us don't do that enough. Maybe beekeepers have that to some extent because they're where the bees fly, what is around. It's more, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, it's finer, it's easier to taste. However, with, the, with milk, it's a little harder to say, oh, that's a Raphael garden. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or whatever. Or so, <laughs> right, <yeah>. right, yes. <laughs> so we don't have as much of a sense of this. And yet, you know, when you have certain things, cultivars or, or animals, they belong. Yeah. And this belonging, you can see then that it's just it, you become part of it. And so like yeah. the seeds, you know then too, I should take this plant and yeah. not from another one, because I can just see we're yeah. we're growing so much with it. And that we have a sense what really um what Native, is right Native
0: to do. Americans have the same thing that, that the oaks, the mother oaks are part of the family. Mm-hmm. And they've been around for five hundred years, up to five hundred years, these black oaks around here and native american culture always speaks about their ancestors are the oak trees Mm -hmm. and they've been around through many of our human generations Mm -hmm. and uh it it's it's not exactly western science but it is uh, a truth that i'm learning the more i'm on the land the more i understand the subtleties that you're talking about now it took me Mm -hmm. a long time to get Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm still trying to get it all (laughs) Yeah, beautiful
2: Yeah, so it's this, this its this intimacy that you develop With what you're working with And that very fa- becomes so familiar with you But that it yeah. becomes part of you And that it is family yeah. Yes, so that's, yes, yeah that's, they,
0: they actually tell us what to do all the time <laughs> 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 Right, right Just like our family members We don't always want to listen <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So what's another principle That you taught your apprentices When they were at um, Raphael Garden. Garden.
2: Yes, so so I mentioned the importance of the farm as an organism or even individuality, but then the other aspect is actually to see almost an earthly cosmic polarity that Mm -hmm. we're working with all the time. And that is, when a plant grows, it sends down its roots straight down towards the center of the earth, sort of with gravity goes down, picks up water and minerals, Mm, yeah. That's what we know, and that brings the plant up, brings the shoot-up out of the ground. But then something different happens, and that is actually the green that develops in there the, the through photosynthesis. This is something different that's not nourished just from below, yeah, but that's nourished from the sun. This is cosmic. yeah. Anything that comes from above, the warmth and the sunlight, that's cosmic. Yeah. And so Rudolf Steiner suggested to the farmers to use mm. two different preparation two sprays. One is made of fermented cow uh, cow manure, Mm -hmm. fermented in a cow horn and uh, uh, fermented in the earth at the time when like what we see now all the leaves are down from the trees Mm -hmm. and the vitality has withdrawn into the earth. Mm -hmm. They're in there and then this this spray is actually where we just need a handful, well actually I would say half a cup or less. Mm We stir in water for an hour and then spray on the land to bring extra vitality to that earthly part mm-hmm. where to stimulate actually the vitality that comes from below, and which we take all the time away when we harvest our crops. Is this the time right now? Is this? It's in the ground. <laughs> <That Yeah. was laughs> in the ground. Thanks so much, Mani it's, and yeah. Lisa, for helping me with burying because I had to, had to catch my flight to, to, uh, to Asia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I absolutely. couldn't get it all in, in so time. So you did this before you left. Right, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. In the so, fall. So that's, that's one part. So this vitality, stimulating the vitality from below, which is very homeopathic, you know, if you yeah. think. A half cup would be enough for a full acre of land, diluted mm-hmm. with water and sprayed on the land. But then on the other hand, we also consider just even that the air also... In a certain way, gets depleted of forces, mm-hmm. of life forces. And so there we use ground up crystals mm-hmm. and we crush them make them to fine powder, and then give it, make a dough with it, put in a cowhorn berry for the summer months. Yeah, dig it up in the fall, and then use just a quarter teaspoon per acre, mm-hmm. stirred in water again, and sprayed on the growing plants. This helps the plant to utilize more of the, the sunlight yeah. and uh, increased actually photosynthesis, uh, greater um, brings out the aroma in the plant, strengthens them against pests, mm-hmm. so it balances the growth so that our crops are less maybe watery, which mm-hmm. often, even in organic, you can have plants that are too watery, too much, mm-hmm. hetar, too much fertility, but rather higher dry uh, 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 matter content, greater health. And so this is something that needs to be taught and it's not there in the beginning that one realizes too that you have different forces on the one hand, gravity pulling down that mm-hmm. we have with anything physical, But in the growth itself, we have levity, Mm -hmm. that the forces of lightness, because trees wouldn't make it so high without that force. So that everything that is not directly or only connected to the earth actually has these forces. So this is something that takes, well... (laughs) A (laughs) lifetime, yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This was was built around Steiner's work in the 20s, in the 1920s, and and, Mm -hmm. and he... he, he, uh, did he garden and work with the forces like
2: this? See, he grew up, he was a country boy. And yeah. he grew up, his father was the station master uh, in, in, uh, um, when he was born in uh, the Austrian-Hungarian Empire in, in what's now a, a Slovakia. Um, and so he, he grew up in the countryside, but he had incredible insights too. And he had, from, from boy, boyhood on, he was clairvoyant. Yeah. And and but he did studied was a scientist too, mm-hmm. so he did double triple work. <laughs> yeah, um, and so he could come up then with these suggestions. As a, as a youth, he also knew an herb gatherer who was still the old school, and he would once a week go to Vienna to bring his herbs to the market. Mm-hmm. And so he befriended <laughs> him, and he learned a lot about the healing plants, so that later he could also help physicians to come up with a new form of yeah. of medicine using these healing forces in a form similar to actually homeopathy.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Did and just
1: yeah. To, to a certain degree of what you were just talking about, of this, um, this uh, almost like a meditation of sorts of thinking about um, the, the earth forces and then the cosmic forces or um, expansion or contraction, these polarities um, are so essential to life and, and producing life. Um, and in some ways, um, Steiner brought these philosophies from the East, uh, that he studied and brought them to the West so that as Westerners, uh, the Europeans and Americans could sort of digest these ideas and concepts to bring a sort of more into the living realm, wouldn't you say, Harold?
2: Yes, yes, he definitely, and he was a Westerner, and he even though he in the beginning worked with a Theosophist who really were more uh, uh, based on on Eastern uh, philosophy, but then also he was he was at the same time independent, and everything that he talked about, he had personal experiences, or he had personal investigation, so it was not channeling as we. So often here, or that people just something just talks, but he had to kind of work it through to come to what to do. You know, these to suggest these uh, methods of these biodynamic sprays, or to suggest certain herbs that could be treated in some way, fermented too over the winter time, and then used in the compost to improve the activity, the composting mm-hmm. activity. Uh, he he worked all this through, so mm-hmm. that is, you know, was in very, very profound f- ways. modern and in a certain way also that anybody who made a real effort eventually would get would make progress. Yes,
0: make progress.
1: yes.
2: yes.
1: yes. Yeah. So, yes. oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, well, with so the I,
0: schools of uh, did biodynamics start in the 1920s mm-hmm. in in some uh, in the in the books
2: that he wrote and he then had, it and was then, lectures he, he gave lectures, lectures and then later that would put into uh, book form right mm-hmm. and then did um, and then what was
0: the next early steps in biodynamics okay. was it taken to the land
2: okay and, okay and yes. to to uh, test all these right, uh, right. hypotheses yes so it's very interesting when he gave the lectures it was a huge estate it was maybe something like 15000 acres or so uh, in Slesia now uh, Poland back then uh, Germany, yeah. um, and he gave it so he he was going to show you can do that actually on any any uh, scale. Yeah, you can do you can you can feed the world with it, not just um yeah. you know what you can do good job you can do in your home garden, but at the same time you can also scale it down you can do it in small scale, and immediately after the lectures. Uh, people started experimenting. Rudolf Steiner mm-hmm. gave rough suggestions, and well, you know, do you, do you stir this, and then you apply it to land, maybe like kind of like from this pillar over here in the hall to the other end, maybe one horn, and they didn't know exactly yet. Mm-hmm. It just started, and then pe- people tried it out, and then in the next years, or within the next 10 years, they y- knew precisely Uh, roughly amounts, and then people had personal experiences. He also made sure that people understood this grains uh, that there are, that we have, they are degenerated in part Mm. and a lot of people started breeding, breeding grains, or worked on on, with grains. Uh, And so there was a lot of things and then there were schools or farms where people could train. Mm-hmm. Then, under the Nazis, it got uh, sort of sidetracked or also silenced in part. It was difficult. Yeah. There was one fraction bit, uh, in the Nazis where they said it was sort of like back to the land, almost a little bit, sort of a philosophy of and being independent from just chemical industry. Yeah. On the other hand, people who supported the modern ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it was difficult for the biodynamic movement to get through because everyone was kind of
1: crazy yeah
2: crazy well also you had to you couldn't openly talk against the regime yeah and so you had to you know there was the Demeter uh, news and they had to had to congratulate the Führer (laughs) uh, because if you weren't doing then people you would quickly be out yeah So that was difficult, but then after the war, then it also continued and 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 it grew again, and and now it's basically practiced. Mm -hmm. And when did uh,
1: Pfeiffer come to the United States? That was the fifties.
2: He came no for the first time in thirty-three.
1: Oh God! Was he a mentor? He was a mentor. mentor. He was he was the uh,
2: yeah oh yeah, and he came already. No, I must have been even maybe early, at maybe 32 or something, mm. 33, he came for the first time to the United States. But he had received already people from the U.S. had come to study, uh, to learn on biodynamic farms, to make preparations in the country here. Mm. So that started early. <clears throat> but then the association, I think, was formed in thirty-eight, the Biodynamic Association in the United States. So, mm. And then it spread... I wish it had spread more. <laughs>
1: but well, this is the thing that's very interesting to me mm-hmm. from my perspective is that it all this history uh, predates the organic farming movement. Um, mm-hmm. The biodynamic farming movement was fairly well established before mm-hmm. organics started in this country. And um, I think it was Rodale that was friends with uh, Pfeiffer. Heinrich Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... There was sort of a bifurcation of the sort of biodynamic movement, and there became the organic movement, and then uh, also the biodynamic farming movement. When you say Harold,
2: yes, yes, yeah, and, and also what's important is, it was the beginning of the organic farming movement. And I feel if we have any anything important to say, is to remind our organic colleagues, the ideal is when you have a farm where things are. So, to say, fertilized or created out of the, the farm itself or the garden yeah. itself, so the more you can come to that in a healthy way, also what eco- economically yeah. will work, the better it can be. And I've, I would say that's sort of our, that should be our relationship to the organic movement that we are helpful in showing you know. This is, this is as, as good as it gets. Yeah. yeah. Without yeah. being hearty.
1: Uh, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't be yeah. haughty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so regenerative agriculture is closer to this, and permaculture right. mm-hmm. is more about using things that are available to you. And in, in this whole concept of this garden organism mm-hmm. that is a living, breathing, very diverse uh, cultures, mm-hmm. literally... Ethnic groups of Mm -hmm. microbes and insects Mm -hmm. and lizards and everything wants to hang out with us because it is such a fertile place, especially in the foothills of the Sierras, Mm -hmm. Frogs come from everywhere, and it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: and so then the the other aspect, there's the living realm, and then the reason why it's called biodynamics is there's this sort of dynamic aspect of nature, the natural world, that we um, can't really define ourselves because it's a spiritualized idea of the material world, and that also needs to sort of be addressed to some degree, right?
2: Yes, so that is actually the the, the realm of forces. So everything living has, in a way, is enlivened from within or from, from outside. And these, we would call them life forces. Yeah. And that is that are we brought also stimulated with our biodynamic practices, both mm-hmm. the sprays and the uh, also then the compost to help actually processes in nature to improve. That will always be there, and nature is kind of nature herself. Undisturbed nature is okay. <laughs> yeah. But wherever we take things from nature, we have to work hard to um, make it better. This is Richard Marks at the Garden Forum,
0: and uh, I'd like to thank the um, the sponsor t- for this hour, and it's uh, Weiss Scappy. We- I got it. Weiss Landscaping, over 75 years of generational experience in landscape, architecture, and design and installation. Weiss Landscaping's crews are experienced in provide accountability and craftsmanship installations, irrigation projects. Go Weiss Brothers, landscaping.com. Take the brothers out. All right. Um, Thanks for um, the support there, Weiss Brothers. All right. So we're back at the show here and uh, we're having a good time. I'm getting, um, I'm getting schooled here I'm in class and I'm learning a lot of things about that I was in, in the Waldorf community and I knew biodynamic people, but I never got the, the real nice download of the mm. essence of the history that you have brought tonight. And um, because I know I was, a, I was a, teaching in an alternative school nearby in the 1970s, um, and we knew about the Waldorf School down there, but we were kind of the hippie school and didn't have the same. But it was a uh, it was a rural school out in Orangeville, California, and so I always knew about you guys, but I didn't. That was even before your time, wasn't it, Harold?
2: When well, I arrived in '83, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a good ten years earlier yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. that 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 I known about. Uh, the Raphael Gardens. So mm-hmm. here we are. Um, where do we want to go with this? And
2: uh, in- you know, I would. I think yeah. I would like to talk a little bit about where to start. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, gardening is so valuable. Yeah. Actually, for our sanity, I would yes. say just to stay healthy. And the, I feel the very first stop is get your shit together. Just yeah. to say it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
2: it doesn't even have to be manure. It just means even that you compost, that you participate yeah. by making compost yeah. at home. And here most people have larger yards and they can do something. And that means just to really find a way of making compost with the materials that are available uh, to do that. If that's hard, there's still even the possibility to do vermiculture. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to read up on it and, and find a way of doing that. I feel that's the very first step because you... You put instead of being an onlooker, you become yeah. a participant. And when you have that compost pile and you put your hand in it,
0: here's some really good. Chip. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yes, and you put
2: your hand into the compost yeah. and you feel it's warm. Yeah. That's like a human being. Yeah, and so you you participate, and that's that's the most beautiful thing for stars. It's
0: the it's the past energy that is. Um, is the energy of living things is being recycled in a put off temperature? It's the it's the power of the sun <laughs> right, that's right. going on in your compost. Right, right. Because it's uh, past photosynthesis that mm-hmm. took that sun and mm-hmm. converted it, mm-hmm. or that animal. Um, right. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you we actually are talking about see. Farming and gardening is a very lonely thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. We're kind of by ourselves Mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, we want to be with more people, but, you know, there's actually no time sometimes for it. Mm -hmm. But we do need to have these get-togethers like this and really kind of think what the big picture is of why we do things. So um, you're definitely helping me in that, Errol. Right, 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 yes. (laughs) So, so
2: So the first thing is just to... Yeah. Start prepare or, or, or think how to participate. Yeah. And even if you can't do anything with your compass, you give it to a friend who can do it. Just even but yeah. this participation and not just be an onlooker and that it touches you because it has to touch us. Mm-hmm. And our problem today is that we are cold with with all the stuff that happens around us. We're not mm-hmm. because we're not we're not really directly there. And yeah. so this first step is doing this, then digging <laughs> yeah. to actually have, have an experiential
1: right. experience exactly That's it, something it. you've made right. not that you've read about that you watched a YouTube mm. video about <laughs> but that you've actually <laughs> put your hand in your own compost it can wild.
0: be overwhelming right. and I do know yes. that when you try to teach this mm-hmm. and or they come to my place and they say oh and uh, we keep coming I keep coming up with new systems that make it easier friendly For everybody, and for mostly myself, because um, I'm not young anymore, and it's Mm -hmm. harder to do what I used to do and didn't Mm -hmm. think twice about it. So Mm -hmm. uh, for us or anybody, usually people are too busy, they think, for gardening. Mm -hmm. Um, Or where do I begin? Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's plenty of things around, and you just got to Google up in your neighborhood to see who's got something that you can... The other good thing is you go hang out with gardeners. Right. And and volunteer to do something. Uh, and, and it's well, and
1: I'll say it's super simple these days, and I will put a little plug in for Sierra Harvest. Yeah. All you have to do is go to their website right now, and they have a composting manual that was written and videos By that whom? are on YouTube.
0: <laughs> you had a great <laughs> workshop at your uh, farm.
1: Uh, well, uh Harold's joking with me because I wrote the composting manual and uh, we're in the video as well. And it's a, uh, a, I think, a 12 part video Mm -hmm. series. Oh, yeah. But just like Harold said, there is an enormous amount of material out there with regards to composting, partly because we all know as organic gardeners and Mm -hmm. farmers how profoundly important it is, right?
2: Yes. It's a
1: matter of doing. That is the most important.
0: Yes. So do you want to repeat? How would someone get something like that if they wanted to follow up on it? Yeah. Those, those videos. You mean
1: with regards to the videos? Yeah. It, you just go to sierraharvest.org okay. on the Wide World Web.
0: Yeah. Okay, Sierra Harvest, because uh, they are the clearinghouse for these kinds of ideas and trainings. And uh, Kalita was doing a lot of this just to... Uh, Couple of years ago with Sierra Harvest. Absolutely, yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah.
1: before our hour, um, yeah. it's gone by so quickly. I, I really mm-hmm. am curious, and I know you are too, Richard, of uh-huh. Harold's international travels. Oh yeah, and how how is the rest of the world doing with regards <laughs> to um, this enormous? Problem that is confronting us.
2: Yes, so we are lucky here that we have a um, a good movement, a sustainable agriculture movement. In many countries, it's not the case. So when I was retired in in 2017, I decided to follow invitations, particularly to Asia, um, to teach there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was started with. uh, with Taiwan and China mm-hmm. but then later broaden some more and um, the movement is younger there mm-hmm. but there is an interest of course in part the destruction is great if I think of Taiwan you look around and many orchards you just see brown kind of just uh, glyphosate probably everywhere round up oh, on the, on the orchards and it looks very sad and overuse of chemicals and so the need for alternatives is uh, is is great there and so I have introduced uh, biodynamics uh, in well did quite a bit actually in in Taiwan and helping and compost making and and the group there now has actually somehow they got some money in in one region to get a truck and um, uh, a tractor with a with a with a loader and so they're making compost yeah. for, <laughs> yes. yeah. And so yes. they managed I, I don't know exactly how they got the money, because they're, you know, they don't have a whole lot, but they know that you need to get composting materials. Not everyone will have enough. Mm. And to bring this, to facilitate this, so that's one of the things. And then they can, they will add the biodynamic preparations to it, compost preparations. And so by now they are doing quite well in, in Taiwan. In China, is still also a lot is needed. There are some well-run farms that are also uh, certified, biodynamic certified by the Demeter Association, just for, for you to know if you ever find any products that have uh, uh, Demeter um, or meter, whatever you, <laughs> whatever you <laughs> did want Did you to. get to go to China this time? This or time I did. I did not teach much there because of the poor relationships between our two countries. Yeah. And people there were worried, the organizers were worried that it wouldn't look good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so unfortunate. It yeah. is very unfortunate. But yeah. anyway, so just to see to sort of the... What's there, and um, mm-hmm. and also how much uh, uh, help is needed? Because China has one of the greatest uh, overuse of of chemical fertilizers. Yeah, people use it very, yeah. The industrial too much. Sy- system right, right. is alive and well in yes. in China. So so that. But then I also visited um, Bali and uh, Malaysia, and in Bali I met younger people who live on the slopes of one of the volcanoes there and they are concerned about the future this is sort of the sacred mountain for them for mm. many of them mm. and is protected but the you know the farming by now is also just chemical all around mm-hmm. and people have bought into it and there's this younger generation of expats second generation and others uh, local people, they say, no, we have to do differently. And when I visited this year, for my second visit, mm-hmm. they really said we got to do something, and we got to we got to stick together and come up with solutions. And so I had very helpful um, sessions with them, which I will continue. So we made these preparations, and we will make them again in spring and dig dig mm-hmm. up the ones that we put into the ground, and find them too. What's difficult is. What do you use in those countries where these herbs that Rudolf Steiner, the plants that Rudolf Steiner suggested first, where they're not available? Mm-hmm. Or not those that were, you know, right. not by the species. Suggested, so, uh-huh. So, for instance, they found a stinging nettle, and that grows somewhere in the wild that is super powerful. Really? It's, and is nice and strong. I mean, stronger than our local creek mm-hmm. nettle. Um And so just people find ways in finding kind of maybe local oaks that eventually they can work with with um, local materials which is very important okay. Shouldn't Do they have a lot of something.
0: cows there from for, for uh, i mean small farms have cows
2: they are there are enough farms where they can or they can get cow manure from yeah there are farms so it works uh, in in some of those countries it works well. Not in every country, but there it works it works well. And yeah. so, I'm able to help young people to um, strengthen their work. And, and, and cow manure oh, talk, yes.
0: is the top of the line. It's the oh, best absolutely. shit that's around. Right. Right. And um, so, is that does that go way back to Steiner's work? Uh, oh, yes. About using the oh, cow.
2: Oh, yes. I mean, if you, it's not for nothing that the, that the Indian people revered the cow, yeah. sort of as, as a holy animal, because if you will, she meditates on the, on the world. By mm-hmm. way of sending it slowly through its organism, working it over and over and over, with all those stomachs, with all the stomachs, and but then also uh, also uh, ruminating, bringing yeah. it up again, and sort of this very good working. So that makes for especially good manu- uh, manure and fertilizer. And the, the yeah, the Indians use it in so many different ways.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, this has been um, nice. This has been great. Um, we just started a little... Uh, uh, we, we, we scratched the top of the, the soil. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> right, right. Yes. <laughs> and we have a deep soil
2: around here. In, right, uh, right. I think we should also touch upon where people could... Find each other yeah. or people who are interested in that's biodynamics. A, that's
1: a great idea, Harold. Yes. yes.
2: Do you want to start here on locally, uh, uh, Marnie? What What would you say directly here in? Cal- well,
1: directly here, I, there are some um, people that live here that are members of the Biodynamic Association of Northern California, and um, so uh, maybe you should mention. Biodynamic Association yeah. of Northern California and then that way oh, yeah. uh if people are interested, there are probably about ten members or so that are involved in that group.
2: Yes. So we started an association well
1: uh, We, you
2: Yeah, I where <laughs> were some friends. Uh what was it? Uh, uh, like
1: thirty years ago. Or no so? not more, more,
2: more, more it 35. was in it was in uh in eighty six.
1: Wow! Yes, someone younger can do the math on that. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> yes.
2: And so, uh, and and if you want to look up b d a n c org, so that is Biodynamic Association of Northern California dot org, and there you'll see it's a website you can see about the association, also about membership, and also if you're interested in these preparations, you can get them through uh, the association. Uh,
1: and it, I, I'm just and gonna say, say it's a wonderful it, even mm-hmm. if you just want to hang out with some really fun people. It meets quarterly. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. We're
0: gonna have to wrap it here, and mm-hmm. uh, it's been great, Harold. Thanks for coming. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming, you guys. It's been it's been great. I gotta do a little bit of uh, housekeeping here, but thank you. Um, here here's a the garden. Here here's a web uh, an email address if you want some of this information. I will get back to you on this one. Garden at KVMR.org. That's an email address that we now have. Support for KVMR's future of radio project comes from AJA Video Systems empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters and composters. All right. <laughs> Thanks.